taken our uh, followers' feedback on board in regards to our, our betting promotions we've done a couple of weeks now, and we will no longer be posting any betting promotions. Thanks to everyone who made their feelings felt. The, the feedback has been overwhelmingly negative, and we've taken that into account. As a shit posting page and as an <laughs> AFL fan page, like we've got to, you know, keep our followers happy. So. Yeah, we do. Um, we do need to make a little bit of money to cover um, expenses that we do have. We do all this voluntarily, but um, we will look to other ways and means to do that in, in the future. Welcome to the Unnecessary Statness Podcast, brought to you by the team from Useless AFL Stats Facebook page, bringing you the AFL's weird, bizarre, and totally irrelevant stats you never asked for and never knew you needed, with Liam Crowey Crowhurst, Bill the Bulldog Skelton, and Aaron Della Delaporte. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Unnecessary Statness. I'm Della, and I'm joined with Bill and Liam. G'day, guys. Hey, mate. How you doing? Hey, Darren, Aaron. Good. Another busy and interesting round of AFL, round 20. We had the unusual five Sunday games, Super Sunday, some people were calling it, where uh, the three games that were scheduled for Queensland all got uh, moved at last minute onto to Sunday, the first time ever five games on a Sunday, and they all overlapped, so it was impossible to watch them all. Unless mm-hmm. you put them on replay. Um, and I was off at uh, Optus Stadium, so I missed... Just a fair bit of bit of those games. I've still got some catching up to do during the week. But I heard yeah. the I heard the Sydney Essendon one was a good game. So I'm keen to keen to see that. And we had a few people tell us that um three times this year Essendon have scored over a hundred and their opponents beaten them all three times, with Sydney being the last one, which is quite interesting. Uh, yeah, what... that was um oh you had to ask me what caught my eye because I was about to yeah. say something of the game that caught my eye. Yes. Um that Sydney um uh, allowed Essendon to score 102 points, which was the biggest score against um, for Sydney this year. Yet they won. Um, oh yeah. Uh, so that was um, that was quite interesting. It has happened uh, earlier in this year as well. The Western Bulldogs in round two uh, let a team score um, biggest score against them this year, and the Western Bulldogs also won. Pretty uncommon. Um, the largest scoring such game was in 1989, Geelong versus Hawthorne. The Hawthorne allowed Geelong to score 163 points, I think it was. Um, their biggest allowed score for the year, but because they scored 171, uh, they got to win. So, yeah, it was um, a pretty interesting little little quirk that in some ways that's the worst Sydney's played this year, um, judged by score against, but they still won. So it's their worst defensive effort, but um, they just did enough offensively to get there. Yeah, I think that's what the, what the AFL wants to see is teams forget about defending and just score. Oh, I can tell you I was at the Frio-Richmond game and I was sick of seeing points get scored. Apparently it was windy, but where I was, I couldn't, I couldn't feel anything. So um, I know we had a question about was that the most inaccurate half of football? It was um, 2 210. I'm just getting it up now. It was yeah, it was two ten to one eight. It was actually a game between Adelaide and North Melbourne, where the score at halftime was zero ten to one eight. So there was uh, the same amount of points and two less goals in that one. I haven't I haven't checked the weather for that one, but that must have been a real real shocker. And th- and that score also finished with a worse a score than the Frio Richmond game. They managed to scramble to seven and six goals in the 
Frio game. I think they both finished on, I think it was like 5.19 to 5.13, that, that North Melbourne-Adelaide one. So there has been worse, surprisingly. What caught your eye, Liam? So big news today, um, just earlier as we came out, is that Chris Main has uh, announced his retirement. He's been around for quite a while. Uh, Chris Main, obviously playing for the Fremantle Dockers and now playing for Collingwood. Uh, so we're going to miss him. And it recently came in through the messages from the Facebook page that he's having a pretty good final season. So we went through and had a look to see how good, who had the best final season uh, before their retirement. So we have a metric for this. So we're going to use like super coach points and fantasy points to determine how good a player is in their final season. So currently Chris Main is averaging 97 super coach points with three games remaining. But on top in the number one position is Leon Davis for Collingwood. Played 21 games and averaging 101 supercoach points. Interestingly, he got an All-Australian that year. He was going to play next year for Collingwood, but decided to turn down the Collingwood's offer because he was going to take a 30% pay cut. So Collingwood, even back in 2011, are pretty stingy with <laughs> paying their superstars. And I guess Leon Davis had enough and went, I'm going to play in the waffle. So he goes back to WA with his uh, family in Perth and decides to play in the WAFL. It's funny you should say that because I heard uh, Chris Main on the radio. So I was coming home from work and um, that's the exact same reason why he's not going to try and continue with Collingwood because him and his partner's family are all in uh, Perth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, apparently a couple of times in the last 12 months, the grandparents have tried to come over. He's got a couple of young kids and they haven't been able to. So uh, that's his reasons for going back. He did say he was still open to um, potentially playing. So if he, there's a chance he could go back to Frio or mm -hmm. maybe the Eagles could pick him up. So I could pick him up, mature I, edge rookie. Yeah, yeah I'd, be, I'd sort of be surprised, but it's oh, we've seen worse things happen, that's for sure. Yeah, we've seen worse. So Leon Davis averaging 101 super coach points and Lenny Hayes in 2014 played his final season, 20 matches for 101 super coach points. That's kind of the benchmark. They're the only two players above 100 in their final season. So it'd be interesting to see if Chris Main can get up there as well. I believe he needs to average 373. Sorry, Good. he needs a total of 373 super coach points over the next three games to break uh, Leon Davis's record. So uh, all the best for him. So Collingwood realistically only have three more games. We're going to have to yell out to him because he could get above the average with some sort of 140-point game this week. Mm -hmm. And then we need to tell him he's the CSS pull-out. <laughs> exactly. Yes. He, could, he could be well above average. He could, um, also, um, he could also go back and cheer some more players off in milestone games. Exactly. Can he cheer himself off in the final, as like his final game? Yeah. <laughs> be, be good if he could. I don't, I don't know if there's many players coming up. I think um, if you went to the Eagles, he could potentially chair off Gaff or Darling in their 250th mm -hmm. and maybe Michael Walters in his 200th at Frio. They bring him on, let's say they put him on as a medical sub and they don't use him for the game, but they specifically use him <laughs> as a chair offerer, almost like a designated chair offer. That would be the way to go. And also as just kind of a technicality, Paul Johnson and Tim Schmidt played in their final season they only played one game in their final season but they both they averaged 110 and 105 super coach points respectively paul johnson 
played for West Coast and Melbourne and then got traded to Hawthorne where he played one game in 2011 and scored 110 super coach points and was never seen again. Truly remarkable. And Tim Schmidt is the other one. So he played 17 games for Sydney and his final game was in 2008 where he averaged 105 super coach points. Something else uh, caught our eye, Della. Um, It's actually brought the page potentially into disrepute. (laughs) Um, Cam and, and Zach Guthrie had blinders and the oh, game ends and especially and Zach when, especially Zach. Zach, yes. I think Zach he's done, is I think he's done that once before. He's had a blinder out of nowhere. But. Yeah, he's he's struggled to find a consistent role, but he seems to have a lot of nous and, and sort of ability without yeah, that's not the point though. The point is not the point is that we get messages at the end of the games and someone goes, Cam and Zach Guthrie, twenty eight touches each. Is this the most ever by brothers? And I, I had the app open. And so I was, I was, I'm a Geelong fan. So I was sort of quickly double checked that the message was correct. And it was You're 28, invested. 28. So I pull out the old useless AFL stats, supercomputer, you know, <laughs> plug in. And I start to look for brothers with the, with identical disposals and to see where it ranks. It doesn't rank first. It ranks six all times between the, um, the, the Crouch brothers at Adelaide. The corns. Yeah. The corns are in there, the crackers, but they slot into the top 10. So we do a post. And then it, it, it comes to the, our attention, you know, after the fact that Cam Guthrie has, has had his statistics updated to 29. Yeah, so I was sort of unaware that, Tommy, you've got a bit of a, some maybe thoughts as to, as to how or why this happens, Adela. Yeah, so it happens occasionally. Um, I know this because of fantasy football. Um, occasionally you see your points change. I'm a regular fantasy football player, and sometimes it's resulted in uh, wins instead of losses. Or, or or the reverse is is really hard to take when you think you've won a game and you end up losing because they've taken a tackle away. As the games progress, champion data are feeding in the stats. Someone's calling it and someone's recording it um, using a typing technique where they like, quickly enter it into the computer. And often in really frenetic pieces of play, they may flag that, you know, 30 seconds or a minute to be reviewed. And then they'll quickly review it after the quarter. So that's when there could potentially be either a tackle taken away or, or something added on. In this case, it probably was a, a lot of handballs get missed, especially if they're in tight. So I'd say that was probably what, what's happened there and unfortunately stuffed up our stat. Yes, it serves me right, for, you know, getting the laptop out minutes after the game and should have waited. We're too, too quick on that one as a, as a page. Oh, I still, I still liked it. At least we had the other ones there. It does give the Guthrie something to chase in future. I think we need to do it. Maybe a disclaimer for the page: all stats are correct at the time of publishing, because <laughs> technically that stat was correct at that point in time. And just because after the fact, there's been a bit of revisionist history has come in <laughs> and changed the uh, changed the narrative. So we can, I reckon, we can confidently say that we've got that stat correct at the time of publishing. Do you reckon, like? Zach walked up to Cam and said, hey, hey, you know, I finally caught up. And then Cam called up champion down and went, look, he's like, find me something. The third <laughs> quarter, I really reckon I might have got two handballs in that little passage. Um, Got to stay ahead of the little brother. Exactly. I can't be shown up. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've heard of local footballers knowing their exact stats, but they're probably not getting 20 plus uh, disposals. Yeah. I can guarantee that I always knew mine, counting the one, um, two on a good day is pretty easy. Not that we're a cricket page, but I've always felt that 
cricketers that claim they don't know what they're on when they're batting are lying about that. Yeah, I'd be surprised on that one. You've, yeah. you've got to know. You've, you've got, got to know. I've, I always knew. And people that say they don't know, I mean, come on, you're on three, you hit a single, now you're on four. <laughs> Not that hard to keep track. Well, something else I'd be interested to know was, and this one got brought to our attention, was the, the triple Bailey possession chain where we had Bailey Williams passing to Bailey Dale. And I'm wondering whether Bailey Dale knew that and he looked for Bailey Smith to get the, uh, the triple Bailey stat going. That, that would be interesting to, to know. But he, he was literally 15 metres in front of him in the clear, so possibly not. I really like that one. Another thing that caught my eye was the Frio and West Coast, the two WA teams' current percentage um, in the eight at a very late stage of the season. Fremantle being on only 90.9%, which is the lowest ever after round 20, which is quite amazing. Um, so basically they're doing as little as possible to to be in finals contention. Nine wins, 10, 10 losses. And that is, um, as we posted on Facebook, the the lowest percentage ever after after round 20. Good effort by them. And West Coast not too far in front of them, 95.9. Some of the call my coming in. We had a message coming from Jack Kelly who said, since the beginning of the AFL era, Richmond have never made the finals in a year that has had the Summer Olympics. Uh, and he's very kindly put it all out uh, for us. So in 1992, all the way through to 2016, in instances of four years, uh, Richmond have finished outside the eight, essentially. And you can even go back further than that. 88, they finished 10th. 84, they finished eighth, but there were only six finalists. And that's kind of where it stops. So it's interesting. Currently, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics is on. So technically, it's 2020. And in 2020, Richmond finished third, I believe. Yes? Yeah, they yes. finished yeah. third. Yes, it's COVID. The Olympics are in 2021, and they're set to finish outside the eight i mean touch wood richmond finished outside the eight that would be uh amazing for everyone involved <laughs> well they'll so, need a bit of luck to get in inside the eight they can <laughs> they will they've really got a they can technically uh, do it they can they can but it's interesting to see that whenever the olympics are on in that particular year uh richmond just uh, can't seem to find it maybe they've they're too invested in the olympics or maybe some of their players or staff are really invested or well, maybe they're just really bad every four years. Yeah, like clockwork almost. But <laughs> it is a bit of a stretch, but here at UAS, we don't mind it. Who scored votes this week in the Brown Mo medal? Three games to go for the Mo votes. And um, I noticed on the weekend, Patrick Dangerfield rocked the retro moustache, potentially to try and grab some some votes, but he didn't, he didn't quite do enough. I've actually... Did a little search for um, Dangerfield, and I noticed that he's actually grown the moustache a few times in retro round. So he's he's trying to lead the the charge for that. We did post that um, all players should be forced to wear long sleeve and grow a moustache for retro round. I think it's I think it needs to come into um into their contracts be written in to do that. Be good for the game. It's what the fans want. Uh, but anyway, on to the votes, and we gave. Five to Bailey Dale, uh, possibly the best of the triple Baileys now. He had a stellar game off halfback with 31 disposals at 83% efficiency and 682 metres gained. 
nine intercepts and a, another nice goal. Interestingly, Bailey Dale has kicked nine goals, zero behinds this year, making him the most accurate player in the league. I think the next highest goals without a behind is only four. So um, he's not making our inaccurate team of the round at any stage this year at all. So good, good game by him. It actually puts him in contention. I'll, I'll update the honour board, uh, the leaderboard a bit later. Four votes. Luke Jackson, 23 disposals at 88%. Um, his moustache inspection for this round just barely passed. It's getting a bit thin and um, it, it possibly is turning into a goatee. So I have to keep an eye on that. But uh, we liked his four first half goals. He sort of the heart out of Gold Coast in that one. And uh, they, geez, do they capitulate? Three votes to our leader, Tom Stewart. I think he's really making this award his own now. Uh, he had 24 disposals at 91% efficiency, eight intercepts for the Cats. Um, so they ground out a good win against the improving North Melbourne. Um, I'm sure you'll be happy with that, Bill, that uh, Tommy Stewart's looking good, good for this Been one. Campaigning for him. Yep, his main rival, Jake Lever, um, and Tom Liberatore did get the two and the one. So um, it was a good defensive game by Lever. He only had 14 disposals, but he went at 100% efficiency, had eight intercepts and eight marks. His stats probably would have been higher, except Gold Coast barely got the ball into his area after quarter time. So we allowed for that, giving him the two. And then the one, of course, to Liberatore. 25 disposals with eight tackles and a very classy goal. It was just standard Libba stuff for him, and we've given him the one. Honourable mentions to Josh Bruce. I liked his goal square mark. It was, a, it was an absolute cracker. Bailey Smith, Sam Draper, Zach Tui, and Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd seems to be always an honourable mention. So our leaderboard is Tom Stewart. Nearly got one hand on the medal with 34 Tom Liberatore, 29. Bailey Dale into third on 26. Just ahead of Lever on 25. And Taylor Walker's sort of stagnated like the Adelaide Crows have with 23. So there you go. All right. It's now time for Bill's deep dive. Over to you, Bill. Thanks, Della. Um, yeah, came together pretty late this week. You had a, a, an interesting idea, I thought, of looking at players' names through the lens of a deck of cards. And then sort of translating that into poker hands. So mm -hmm. I suppose just to give a, a quick example, someone like Kent Kingsley has the word king in his name. And so every time Richmond or Geelong played Kent Kingsley, they would have a king in their team. And there are obviously many players with some unique names. For example, uh, there is a player called Don Balfour uh, who played for Collingwood in the late 30s and 40s. Um, who has F-O-U-R in his name. So he's a four for Collingwood. Um, and there's all sorts of players uh, like that. And yeah, just sort of had a look at some of the, the poker hands that can be composed of, of these players. Well, just to give people some idea, I did a little um, scan of the 12,000 plus players' names to have played. It's actually 24 aces, 61 kings, uh, only three queens, all, all McQueen. 555 jacks and 41 tens, including some legends like Ted Witt, 10, John Platten, and uh, of course, Brett Ratton, those sort of guys. Yes, and, and unfortunately, there are no nines and there are no sevens. It became very difficult to compose a straight 
which is in poker five um, cards in sequential order. So two, three, four, five, six, because there were no threes um, and there were no fives. There were also no nines. So the only option we had for a straight is a 10 jack, queen, king, ace. But unfortunately, the queens, as, as you mentioned, there was three of them, never played in a team that also included a 10 jack, king, or ace. So unfortunately, no straight has ever been made. So what we're left with is basically three of a kinds, four of a kinds, full houses, which is three of one number and two of another, dominated by jacks. We need someone to recruit a queen. I don't know if that's a possibility for next year's draft, but... We'll have to have a look at the draft. But yeah, that's that's really the... We need some more McQueens, really. That's, um, that's letting us down. It's just, yeah, it's, it's by far the most unusual. I mean, if you look at the cards either side of it, yeah, 500 jacks, only three queens. So we've ever played. So it does make it tough. Um, two teams have ever had two aces. So from a Texas Hold'em perspective, where you start with two cards, uh, the best hand is to get what's called pocket aces. Um, so. 120 years ago, Fitzroy um, had a player called Jim Grace and Mick Grace. Um, so both of their names end in ace. So they had pocket aces. First club um, for pocket aces. Yep. They won a couple of grand finals with them as well. So oh, wow. uh, how good. And then in 1981, Kerry Wallace and Robert Mace combined for Hawthorne. So both of those names end in ACE. So that's pocket aces. They didn't win a grand final too, did they? Um, in 81. These two players did not play in the grand final. I don't think they did. I think they won it in 1980. I'm not uh, sure about 81. Um, we'll have we could have, we could have stumbled look. on something brilliant here. <laughs> uh, no, it was aces. between Carlton and Collingwood and Carlton won. Um, I'm pretty sure Richmond yeah. won in 1980. Yes, they did. Both of them were up there in the 80s, the yeah. early 80s. But um, yeah, they never, they never got to the big dance. And um, yeah, so a team has had pocket kings before. Only, it's only ever been done by one team. Uh, I don't think you, you can make a guess. That'd be, I'd be very impressed if you could, if you could guess it. Richmond. Um, I've had Jake King. North yeah, Melbourne I'm just Dave. going off that. Yeah. Yeah. David King. Yep. And um, I reckon and it Ken, might be Ken King. Oh, sorry, I already mentioned him. It was Ken Kingsley. Well, yeah. Bad yeah. Hocking, Kingsley. Yeah. So that that one's been done. The Queens have never been done. So there were not. Unfortunately, this deep dive ends with me saying um, there's not many great hands there's obviously a lot of four of a kind jacks oh yeah um, there's probably actually, a, any five of a kind jacks where, there's, probably yeah, a, no, there's something uh, wrong with the deck over, <laughs> overflowing jacks yeah there's actually uh the record is seven um so a team, oh, that's a that's a broken deck yeah yeah if, if someone pulls out seven seven jacks on you it's a double um, deck yeah maybe ask for your money back uh it was sort of led by captain blood and richmond uh, had seven jacks back in the day. Jack's still obviously a very common name now. Yeah, we've got the St. Kilda Jacks and the West Coast Jacks. Yep. But um, some players actually have two cards in their name. So some players have, you know, they, they sort of get to count for two. And so I had a look at some of these names. Now, there's actually been multiple players called Jack King, uh, <laughs> which I thought was great because 100% of their names, there's no... Oh, if you take half of their last name in the middle of their first name, these guys are just basically a um, it's all card. A poker hand. Yeah, all, all card. card. <laughs> um, Wonder what their was... middle names were. Yeah, yeah, Queen. Um, and so I then sort of ranked them. Um, so Jack King is is an okay um, poker hand. 
Um, almost every one of these players with two in their names, um, one of them is Jack. So Jack um, Jack Jones is a Jack and a one. Um, a one? Uh, yeah. A Jack. one? And yeah. oh. <laughs> um, You're playing Uno now. Oh, sorry. I yeah, I don't think you can yeah. have a one. <laughs> no, I was wondering why I had I had too many cards. I worked at a casino for five years too. Uh, um, so we'll get rid of the ones. So Jack that... Jones, forget him. Um, so actually the only player left who has two cards in his name um, that isn't called Jack is Kane Ten Ace or yes. Kane Ten Ace. Um, it's a good one. Yes, Black, Blackjack Ten Ace. Yeah, it's Blackjack. Um, and look, it's probably marginal if you're playing poker. Um, do you want a 10 and an ace or a jack and a king? Maybe um, if they're suited. Yeah, it, it would come down to the suits. So um, that's that's probably a, that's probably one for uh, context and situation and position and chip stack sizes and all that sort of stuff. It's not an, ob- not an obvious call, but if you're on a blackjack table, um, then the 10 and ace uh, mm-hmm. is certainly the better hand. So um, I'm not sure ain't and ace leads the league or has ever led a game in any statistic. Cheers <laughs> um, now. He's pretty quick, if I remember. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say that he's probably got the best name um, in terms of cards, probably in the league's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or or Jack King, yeah, Jack. I'm quite Jack King is quite good. Very good. So what? There's a couple of eights. There's a couple of eights in there. I think you may have mentioned. So Cody yeah, Waitman. Cody Waitman is yeah. Yeah. Um, Jared Wait. Oh, are we Jared Wait? Do we include him? He's got also, the same. There's also Lee Tudor. Um, so his name ends in, his first name ends in E-I-G-H and his last name starts with T. Wow. Um, mm. So I wasn't sure whether or not to include Lee Tudor uh, as an eight. I ultimately did because I was I was trying to find good hands. Um, there's a couple of players like that that, um, yeah, I'm not sure technically count, but I, I like to count players like that. Yeah, well, Ken, uh, Kane, just back on Kane, 10 ace. He wore number 10. Which I really like, and um, Zach Tui. It's not a technically a two, but because um, it's, it's the U instead of W. W. Um, he also wears two, so I, I, I like those two Geelong players for that. There's um, a couple of sorry. There's I think nine players who have let's call them legitimate twos, um, and they I'm probably gonna mispronounce it, but it's I think Twomi or Twomi. Yes, uh, is my, AF, Twomey. AFL yeah. jur- journalist Cal Twomi. Cal Toomey, yeah. yep. And then there's also um, Walt Wallerman, who again what? is a bit of a technicality because it's his last oh, yeah. first name starts with T, his last name W O, um, and Bert Warner uh, as well are maybe, um, you know, fringe twos or fake twos. So there's Warmer. outside the outside that um that family, there's a couple of uh yeah more more make believe twos. <laughs> nice. So if we're playing a five-handed poker. What's, what's the best that we can do? Four jacks uh, with an ace. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any full house? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of full houses. Like, I mean, many teams have, have fielded three jacks and then they've had a couple of kings or a couple of whatever. So there's a, there's a lot of full houses for sure. Um, but no straights. It's hard to make flushes when there's no suits. Um, no, there's literally so. no suits. There's never been a diamond, never been a spade. Even really? Though- those are legitimate last names. No hearts. It's, it's heart. I think there might have been. There's been heart mis misspelt hearts. Um, H A R T. Yeah, I don't think there's been. Stand corrected. I don't know if there's been any 
legitimate hearts. I'm just going to... No, it doesn't seem like there's any legitimate hearts. Yeah. H-E-A-R-T. There's definitely no clubs. Unless we do a cross... I didn't do the cross naming, like someone's name ending with a C and then starting with an L-U-B. No, I just, I just checked all of those. Um, well, yeah, no good. So disappointing. No good. So the first player that comes along to do that will... We we'll have to give them a shout out. Um, I know I knew a guy named Fred Diamond, but he wasn't he wasn't much of a footballer. He was more of a drinker and a smoker. Mm. <laughs> Neil Diamond. Yeah, of course, Neil Diamond and David Spade. But um, he he probably wouldn't have been very good at football unless he was one of those small forwards that were caught in your face. But, oh, very good, very yeah. good uh, with the uh, deep dive. So for Jackson and Ace. Jackson and Ace is technically the best hand, and uh, seemingly St Kilda would be rocking that nearly every game this year. Um, I'll let you know the last time it's happened, and I'll, I'll look that up for you. It's got to be last week, I'd say. They, I can't think of a. I can't think of an ace that they have, but oh, sorry, I'm thinking of a king. Yes, they're they're rocking four jacks and a king every week. It's not helping them because they're out of contention. Yeah, they had. Uh, they didn't have a lot of jacks last week. Uh, Jack Billings, Jack Higgins, and Jack Steele. Yeah, they were one one jack short. Better Zach, but not Jack. Yeah, and looking at more poker terminology, you have the flop and the turn, and then the river. Um, there's never been a flop in the <laughs> AFL FLOP that hasn't happened. But there's been there's a couple been, of there's, turn, there's been turns. Jack Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alex Rance, we could put him down as a flop, maybe. Joe Danaher. Danaher had one recently, so we got Danaher down as our we've, flop. We've got a bets. Um, bets, yep. No blinds, unfortunately. A couple of rivers or driver with a name River. I think we've had some folds. <laughs> and <laughs> and what's the other? Um, yes, John Westfold. John Westfold. What is it when you, when you um, pass? I can't remember what it's called. Check. Check. A check. Mm. We had any checks? <laughs> I'm sure uh, we had. Who's, who's that goalkeeper? Peter Check. C Z E H C. That counts. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Eric Sheck. <laughs> Here's his last name Z S C H E C H. Eric Sheck. So if, if, you, if we really want to. If we really want to go for it, then we also have a check in there. What about stay? Is that a is that a betting term? Because we got stay. Damn, uh, stay. Yeah. Stay on a black blackjack table. Yeah. Blackjack maybe. Eric Sheck played in the VFL back in born in nineteen oh nine. Played for Richmond, hundred and one games. Uh, so St Kilda had yeah the four jacks and an ace um, fourteen times this season. Uh, most recently round 18. So they haven't had it for a couple of weeks, but um, they've certainly done it plenty. Um, Collingwood side did it plenty of plenty of times, like over 100 times in the 40s and 50s. So, yeah, certainly been done a bit. And I don't know if we've ever had a raise. We've had Ray, but not... Uh, we've got Razor Ray. My, Razor. Uncle, <laughs> my uncle Stephen Ray played in a premiership for Richmond. Yes, excellent. Uh, all in. Do we have any all <laughs> all ins? <laughs> I'm checking. I, I I think we're starting to push it push it a bit more. We 
Oh, push. Scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Yeah, I think we're I think we're done. I think it's time to move on to. Uh, um... I think Jack Alista is the closest. A L L I, but not quite the N. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A very drunk person at the table pushing all their chips in. I'm all Yeah, <laughs> maybe I get it. Brett Brett Allison is very close to all in. If you didn't have the um, IS in there, oh, he's all on. <laughs> Instead of all in, and the and the Wallace Wallaces that have played, there's a few of those, but no, unfortunately not. All right. Oh, calls another one. We had um, Ian Callanan who played um, for Adelaide. I remember us. I remember actually doing a um, a useless stat about uh, bets, call, and fold, and I think um, it's. I think it was definitely better to be bets. Than to be uh, calling or folding. There you yeah, go. that's that's one from the archives. I do remember that one. Maybe that was about a year, a year or two ago. Now we would have posted that. Yeah, you know, I'll have to dig that one up. Now it's time for Liam's mailbag. Suggestions come in, and this first one comes from a Bailey, Bailey Bolstrasis. Hey, wondering if there's a thing for a team losing to the two Perth teams by the same amount in the same season. So Richmond this year have lost to Fremantle and West Coast by four points um, in within the same season. Yes. Uh, and we can see that they are the ninth team to have uh, to have lost to the West to the, the the Western teams, I guess you could say. Most recent before that being the Western Bulldogs, who in 2018 lost twice by 54 points to Fremantle in round five and West Coast in round 18. Jeez, that's a bad and the effort. time before that, 2015, Melbourne also lost by 54 points to West Coast in round 14 and Fremantle round 22. Well, that's a... Wasn't a good time to be a Melbourne fan that, that era. No, no. And interestingly, you can also go back to 2013. West Coast also lost to a WA-based team twice. They lost to Fremantle in round one and round 16. By the same margin? Yeah, same margin, negative by 28 points. Uh, they were the times. And that kind of got me thinking, well, are there any other occurrences? Um, so we can also have a look at the Brisbane-based, Queensland-based teams. And it's only happened twice, well, once, where there have been consecutive losses and one that's been uh, uh, win for wins. So St Kilda beat Brisbane and Gold Coast by 31 points in 2017 and in 2020 sydney lost by 32 points to gold coast and brisbane uh, round seven and round 17 respectively interesting duopoly there uh brisbane and gold coast uh fairly recent so there's not really too much history there but we can have a look also the next one port adelaide and adelaide yep the biggest loss was north melbourne in 2003 they lost to adelaide by 54 points, and then Port Adelaide also by 54 points. Very good. Before you dig the next one up, I just wanted to mention um, Nick Johns Wicksburg. What a great name. Sent us in one. We didn't convert it into a stat because um, it was to do with a a tribunal or a match review. Fine. Xavier O'Halloran has been charged with rough conduct, dangerous tackle against Xavier Dersma. We can't prove this, but um, this may be the first time a player with an X in their first name has 
been suspended for conduct against another player with X. The two Xavier's uh, involved in that in that fine of two thousand dollars he got for that. So yeah, very interesting. I think Xavier O'Halloran or either Xavier O'Neill were the first XOs ever to um, play AFL as well. Yeah, XO XO Gossip Girl. Um, we just needed like Tristan Zeri also to somehow get involved, and we could have a triple X dust up. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> is is that able to is that able to happen? Do we think three X's uh-huh. in the same melee? We need to have state of origin instead of state of origin. We can have um, alphabet of origin or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have the uh, have all the X's and J's and Q's and W's and Y's and Z's all playing together. Be an interesting team, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And just back on the previous stats, so we're talking about. Uh, so we can also have a look at the Sydney-based teams. So we have Graydon, Western Sydney, and Sydney. Oh, yeah. uh, just to kind of round it out, North Melbourne lost to both of them in 2017 by 42 points. Lost So they lost to Graydon West to Sydney in round three and Sydney in round eight, both of them by 42 points. Another one we can't prove but got asked. These are, these are really useless stats because we've got no way of proving them or not. Adam Johnson asked, was Ryan Mansell the longest first goal ever by a player? I don't know if you saw this one, but a Frio player got... I think it was he kicked it out on the full and Mansell took the kick in. It was about 70 metres out and um, there was a howling gale at Optus and he tried to just kick it into the forward line and it bounced over some players' heads. It was about 70 metres. I can't remember a longer first goal, but um, potentially there may have been one. Unfortunately, another one we can't prove or disprove, but a good... A good Pick up, up there, Adam. None, nonetheless, yeah. This next mailbag comes in from Cameron Jones. Just wondering if you have a stat for the most a team has made up in the final quarter and still lose. So what we're talking about here is if a team is trailing by quite a lot at Q3. The biggest failed comeback. The biggest failed comeback, I guess, is, is a really good shorthand. So they've started from 10 goals down and they've got really close. Um, <clears throat> so having a look... Now we have we have quarter time stats all the way back to um, the beginning of time. <laughs> yeah, quite quite, quite amazing. And we have to go all the way back to 1940, round 10, Carlton versus Hawthorne. Carlton, three quarter time, they were down by 57 points. They came back and only lost by seven. Well, so they made up 50 points uh, to still lose it in the last quarter. Good effort. Uh, good. A really good effort. Uh, so 50 is the outright leader. And in uh, for equal second, we have 47 is the biggest comeback. Uh, 1980 uh, Fitzroy, when they played Carlton, they were down by 51 and lost by four. Mm-hmm. And West Coast versus North Melbourne in 1987, they were down by 58 and lost by 11. So a difference of 47 there. Wow. So close. If only they started in the halfway through the third. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would have had a chance. <clears throat> uh, we can also have a look at the opposite. So the biggest blowout. So a team that's uh, winning by a lot just continues to put even more on uh, <laughs> as the game goes. So back in 19... Now, this is this is absolutely massive. 1919, round 12, St Kilda uh, playing Sydney. They would 
down, they were down by 65 points at quarter time, at three quarter time and ended up losing by 171. Yeah, there's, oh. there's actually a story about that, um, which was posted on the AFL website in June of 2019. The players basically started fighting amongst themselves, the St Kilda players, that is. So they basically um, gave up on the game as a team. They only had 14 players on the field because um, they had four injuries as well and there was no, there was no bench back then. So um, that was st- sort of the story of, of that game. It was yeah, quite amazing. It still stands, really does stand the test of time. So that's the only time that, they've, that that's happened. Really, nothing really comes close. The next highest is 77 uh, points difference. So that was St Kilda versus Carlton in 1976. They were down by 24 points three quarter time, and ended up losing by 101. So a difference of 77 there. I think the only way that could possibly happen in this day and age is if we saw it with Essendon on the weekend. I didn't watch the game, but I saw a little story about it. Apparently, they use their full 75 rotations and they there was still like five minutes on the clock. So potentially um, a couple of players could have got injured and not be able to be subbed off and then potentially the other team could use that to their advantage. Maybe if you'd have to have a really bad um, interchange manager to use all you your interchanges. Um, you can get around that. You can interchange as many players as you want via the blood rule. <laughs> So you just um, start belting into each other? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just running face first into pole well, or something. I don't I'm know. not sure if either of you are like pro wrestling fans, but there's a thing called blading, which is essentially you hide a small razor blade in your <laughs> sock right. or, or wrist strap or whatever, and, and you take it out and just sort of slightly gash your forehead, which bleeds a lot. Ric Flair does it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just above the eyebrow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's... This is why Geelong gets sort of 76 or 77 rotations around instead of 75. Yeah, Selwood just goes off. blading. Um, <laughs> I assume he's a big Ric Flair fan. Well, your, your medical sub actually doesn't count because Essendon did manage to have one more uh, interchange and that was one of the players on the bench had a buggered shoulder. So they, mm. they brought Braden Ham on. It was, the, it was a very slick thin slice of ham because I think he was only on the ground for like 30 <laughs> seconds and then the siren went. Well, he might need to look up the thinnest slice of ham. <laughs> uh. <laughs> also, it also reminds me of a story of, so up in Queensland where you do the, you do like a scrum and NRL scrum where the, where essentially the heads come together and push against each other's shoulders. But what you can do is you can drop your head lower and move it across the left that you your the top of your head can hit above their eyebrow and there'll be blood going everywhere. And so oh, wow. once they've got the blood, they need to get off. So there's like a blood rule for a front rower that essentially has to get off the field. And so the next time you go back into the scrum, you've got this massive advantage. So uh, <laughs> it's good to see that the blood rule can be exploited in uh, most forms of football. Another one I wanted to mention, we've, we're seemingly getting this every week now because the bottom teams of North Melbourne, Collingwood and um, Hawthorne to a, to a lesser extent, although they had a really good win on the weekend, um, are all starting to pick up points. Now people are asking the best the best wooden spooner. I think we might have talked about this as well on a previous podcast, but 
Collingwood's six wins in nineteen seventy six is that is the gold standard for that, and their their percentage was eighty six point four. So we we might have to work that into a a post somewhere because we get we've we, we're clocking up double digit asks on that one. So we we'll have to um we might do a bit more research on wooden spooners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it is North Melbourne. I'm just looking at the latest predictions. They've got a 77% chance of finishing in last. Um, and their projected wins are about five to six wins. So uh, we can we can definitely fact check that. Well, they're playing Richmond this week. The way Richmond are going, they're not, not without a chance. And then um, their last game is against Adelaide. So that's another one they could potentially win. Adelaide are already on six wins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Our last question that's come in from Salas, Silas Weir. Uh, just wondering if anyone's explored the idea of what the ladder would look like if, if instead of the winning team receiving match points, you know, four for a win, two for a draw, zero for a loss, but instead if they got the margin and we decide to put that on a ladder. So it's essentially uh, a ladder of the goal difference. So I've got a little custom uh, ladder set up that I've plugged it into, and we can have a look at the 2020 season. So that means Geelong goes to number one uh, on the ladder. Let's go. That's 2021 season? Oh, 2020. Oh, 2020. It's 2020 season. So instead of Port Adelaide finishing on top, it would be Geelong, uh, and then Port Adelaide would be in second. So Geelong would still have their 12 wins, five losses, and Port Adelaide 14 wins, three losses. But Geelong's point difference is actually, well, margins, cumulative margins is plus 332. Compared to Adelaide's 316. So but yeah, Richmond well, would still come in third place. If we did that this year, um, Essendon would be in the height and potentially Richmond would still be hanging in there. Uh, Richmond would be in eighth. They would be. Yes. So they'd currently be in eighth on a uh, negative... 31 and Essendon would be in seventh on plus 44. So that obviously comes off the back of their massive win against uh, Gold Coast. I believe they won by 98 points. Um, absolutely massive. But there's also quite a bit of a bridge to the next tyre. So Sydney are in sixth with plus 258. So there's a bit of a gap. So it, if Essendon want to go into sixth place, they need to make up at 200 or so in terms of margin. But in top spot, are still Western Bulldogs by like way out in front, 535 to the positive compared to Geelong in second place, 398. Well, something else I noticed on the ladder, um, we'll probably check this out in the next few days, is um, there's, as you would know, eight um, interstate teams. We're calling them interstate. So the teams in Perth, Adelaide, uh, New South Wales and Queensland, they're currently sitting fourth, fifth, sixth, Seventh, eighth, and ninth. So six in a row there, and then um, Gold Coast and Adelaide are together a bit lower in fifteenth and sixteenth. I'm not sure whether six is a is a record for most interstate teams in a row, but um, we're definitely going to have a look at that one. I'd be very surprised if it's if it's higher. Yeah. So thanks to all our fans for sending in those questions. Um, please send in more. Thank you. Otherwise, um, that's it for this week. Thanks. Uh, Bill and Liam for your time and efforts once again. No worries. Happy to be here. Happy to help. 
Hooroo, mate. We'll talk next week. And we'll see, yeah, we'll see everyone next week. Thanks for listening to Unnecessary Statness, the useless AFL stats podcast. Subscribe or follow on Facebook for more useless stat-related content.